thank you so much for being here this morning. It's good to see everyone. I pray that um, all of you had a, a peaceful and relaxing trip to church this morning. But if not, I pray that you will just allow yourself to get into the spirit of the service as we just enter in. And ask the Holy Spirit to move all around us as God comes down in the presence of you and your fellow believers here this morning. And uh, we just want to let him take control. Amen. Let's sing, um, He Paid a Debt. He paid a debt I did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sin away. And now I sing a brand new song, amazing grace all day long. Christ Jesus paid a debt that I. song um, sort of along those same lines I've been singing all week long it's called He Set Me Free I think remember 2063 in the key of F and you know what he paid the debt first of all he came and explained to us that we couldn't pay the debt when he preached the sermon on the mount he made it clear that there is no way that we by obedience to the law those sacrifices couldn't pay the debt of the fall of humanity. But he paid it. We don't have to. All we have to do is love him. He set me free. Well, once like a bird in prison, I learned no freedom from my 
Let's give the Lord a hand of applause. Amen. You may have your seat for a few minutes. We're going to make some announcements. And then um, if I could get Brother Andy to come forward and uh, pray over these prayer requests. Sister Amber's at home. And uh, we'd like to also thank the Lord that Brother Roger Gibbs is still recovering. Uh, a very special prayer request here for Sister Karen Pruitt. Um, as many of you know, it's been a week now that she's been unresponsive, and the family's just asking for a miracle for her. Um, the Pascals, uh, pray for them. They're out this morning. They're uh, due to work. And uh, Brother Troy, Sister Connie's niece, uh, some of you know Sister uh, Kathy Sherald uh, passed away. And so please keep that family in your prayers, and I'm sure there's going to be more information coming about that. Um, <clears throat> the Reynolds son, Brandon, has a heart issue, but they want you to know that he's recovering very well. Sarah Buchanan is out this morning. and um, uh, The David Cockmans, uh, again, traveling to Nebraska, so please keep them in your prayers and pray for traveling mercies. Uh, my wife... Is, and Jennifer's at home with the young ones. I'm down by myself with Morgan and Daniel and, and Arwen's here. And I uh, just want to praise God for a wonderful youth service at the Clables yesterday, a gathering. And so uh, we really appreciate the Clables opening up their home and having such a, such a blessing and blessed event there. And finally, uh, Sister Mary Smith has, um, has been suffering with some neck pain. So, uh, so please keep her in your prayers. Brother Andy, if you would just come up and, and bring these prayer requests before the Lord. Thank you. Lord Jesus, Scripture tells us, Father, that all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And yet, it pleased the Lord to bruise him to lay that iniquity on, on you, Father. Lord, as I lay my hands upon these prayer requests, Father, that act of love, selflessness, and sacrifice that you made for us at Calvary, it takes care of every single one of these that my hand is on, Father. And those of us, Lord, that have prayer requests on our hearts, and in our minds. Don't think God's not able to take care of that. Father, those that need healing, we think of Sister Pruitt and that family, Lord, just around her bed, praying for a miracle. Father, may you arise with healing in your wings and move on the scene in a mighty way, Lord Jesus. Father, may every prayer Every, every prayer that was ever made for that sister and that family, may it reach the throne room today. And may it be answered, Father, in your perfect will. And Lord, those that are grieving, we think of Sister Connie and Brother Troy, Father. Lord, be that shoulder that they can lay their heads upon, Father. Be those arms that they can rest in. Lord, those that are traveling, those that wanted to be here but could not for whatever reason, May you meet their needs. And Father, 
if you don't come, if you don't move the man of God away, if you don't take his thoughts and make him your thoughts, this meeting would be useless, Lord Jesus. And so it's our heart desire, Father, as, as a body of Christ to pray, to pray that you come down today in a mighty way and move on our hearts, Father. If it comes in the form of a rebuke, so be it. If it comes in the form of encouragement, so be it. However it comes, Father, give us that supernatural sense that that's our portion, that that's you speaking to us. May every one of us move out of the way and receive that word. Father, have your way. And we ask it all in that most holy and precious name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Just keep your seats. Let's sing. He touched me as we just contemplate these requests. Shackled by a heavy burden. Neath a load of sin and shame. One more time from your heart. He 
Tom, if the deacons could come forward, we're going to, while you remain standing, uh, worship God in our tithes and our offerings this morning. And um, uh, by bearing each other's burdens, this way we fulfill the law of Christ. And this is one way that we bear our burdens. I love the heart that Brother Barry has for missions around the world and for here at home as well. So let's, um, let's do what we can here and praise him with our tithes and offerings this morning. Brother Tommy, pray over the offering. Amen. Well, some glad morning we shall see Jesus in the air, coming after you, and joys are to share. What rejoicing!
we're going to meet them in the skies, but then we're going to come back down here. Amen. <laughs> All right. For a thousand years of peace on earth. I'm going to ask Brother Matt to come back over to the piano here and do a special for us before we change the order of the service. Praise the Lord. Can we call up in the database the words to my chains are gone? I know we all know that one. No, you all know it, so just sing it with me.
peace on things eternal. I'm going to hold to God. One more time. Yes, I'm going to hold to God's unchanging hand. I'm going to hold to God's unchanging hand. Build your hopes on things eternal. And I'm going to hold to God's unchanging hand. got that singing anointing on you this morning. Let's do another one. Every praise is to our God. Every word of worship, one accord. Every praise, every praise is to our God. Sing hallelujah to our God. Glory hallelujah to our God. Every praise sing another little chorus here, uh, hear my prayer, O Lord, and uh, I want to give you a couple of prayer requests this morning that I wanted to explain just a little uh, for you today, uh, and that didn't get passed on to Brother John. Uh, Brother Jeff Jackson's not here today, his family's here, but uh, Brother Jeff got called into work. Brother Joe Paschal uh, got called into work, and so uh, they are um, they are not here today. We also, too, uh, going to ask you to remember Brother David Whitlock. Uh, the Whitlocks were here last night, and David uh, was struck with a bad gallbladder attack. 
uh, in the middle of the night, spent most of the night in the ER, and uh, they are on their way home this morning. He was feeling bad enough that he asked his wife to drive, so he told me to pray hard. Uh, but all joking aside, uh, he was feeling pretty rough this morning when I saw him, and uh, they're on their way back home. They regret not being here. Sister Shirley Buchanan was in the hospital uh, yesterday. She uh, stayed overnight on Friday night and was released yesterday. Her blood pressure uh, shot sky high, and they did not really know why. Uh, she's at home resting. Uh, she's uh, feeling okay, but her blood pressure was creeping back up this morning, and I told her I would bring that need before you uh, today. Brother Joel Franklin out in Arizona uh, his mom has Alzheimer's, and she's in the final stages of life. Brother Joel went over to California. His mom lives in California, so he drove over uh, to be with her, and that's always a difficult thing. When somebody goes through that, they lose their loved one twice, and Brother Joel is at that uh, point today, so he's visiting with her, and I told him we would uh, sure be remembering them in prayer today. Uh, also, as well, a very good friend of mine, Brother Stephen Francis, who was a minister in Newcastle, South Africa, passed away, had COVID pneumonia and a heart condition that was uh, developed as a result of that. Uh, Brother Stephen was a very dear friend of ours, and he'd never come here uh, to the church, but uh, I've been in contact with Brother Stephen ever since. First time he came to our house, Andrew, my Andrew was a little guy, and he fell down over the stairs. And... Uh, kind of stands out because Bruce Stephen was there and we took uh, Andrew to the hospital and ever since then I don't know I guess maybe he felt we needed more help or something the minister visiting but uh, Bruce Stephen is just a real fine brother and uh, our boys have real memories of Brother Stephen he pastored in Newcastle South Africa and uh, his dear wife Jenny uh, was sure uh, we'll be in touch with her and just trust that the Lord will undertake for her and the family um, also as well uh, this afternoon we have our youth gathering at 3.30 so if you guys can be here uh, 3.30 sharp will start also as well this week July 27th is Harrison's birthday right? how old are you Harrison? 16 you're going to be 17? you're going to be 16? really? wow that's great. July 28th is Catherine, or sorry, Caitlin Brown's birthday, right? Sister Caitlin, where are you? Right? God bless you. And July 28th is Miles Coffee's birthday. Where is Miles? There he is. <laughs> How old are you going to be, Miles? Five years old. God bless you, Miles. We appreciate each and every one of you all. And, um, it's an honor to have all of you here today and our guests and visitors. Why don't we stand to our feet and I uh, wanted to introduce a new family that's here today as well. Uh, sorry, I, you were hoping I wouldn't do that. But good to have the Irishes back and uh, we're praying for Brother Andy's mother. Good to have Brother Joe with us this morning, Joe Drum. And uh, we're certainly praying for you, Brother Joe. I gave the prayer request on Wednesday night. We're sure praying with you and your wife that the Lord will undertake for you. And also as well, Sister Connie's niece passed away. I think John mentioned it this morning and uh, real loss. I remember being with Kathy 
um, oh, several years, I don't know how many years ago, she was in the hospital in Columbus and struggled with sickness all of her life. And, I mean, she's, she was a fighter, just fought, uh, fought to live with a lot of really tough things. And I remember the family asked me to go pray for her in Columbus, and I went down and visited with her and talked with her. And right away, she's a person who... Uh, you know, wanted to talk about the Lord. She wanted to talk about spiritual things, and she wasn't so much focused on her sickness. She just uh, just was delighted to have somebody come in and talk to her about uh, the Lord and pray with her. And um, we just certainly want to hold up the family in prayer because I know the family is very close, and uh, I know she'll be surely missed. Let's sing this morning. Hear my prayer, O Lord. And Brother Aaron, I'm going to ask you if you would come on up and uh, open up in a word of prayer this morning for us here. Hear my prayer from the ends of the earth. I cry, your peace will lead me to rock that is higher than I. Oh, given us all things and whatever we have need of it was paid for on calvary lord jesus christ as your children we are taking our position lord as the bride of jesus christ and we are claiming our rights through the blood of jesus christ we claim our healing father we claim oh god every possession that the devil might try to take from your children Lord Jesus Christ, we come here, Father, not because of ourselves, not because of what we have done, but because of what you did for us. Father, for your word says it's because of his mercy that Jacob is not consumed. Your your mercies, Father, are new this morning. We pray for those who are sick, those who are afflicted, those, Father, who are desiring, Lord Jesus Christ, a touch from you. We pray for them, O God, for you say that I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Whatsoever you agree, whatsoever you believe, whatsoever you ask in my name, I will do it for you. Lord God, we ask in the name of Jesus for healing of our brothers, our sisters who are sick. Father, some of the desires that we have not mentioned here. Lord, we are looking unto you. For you said in your word, look unto me, ye ends of the earth, and be ye 
saved. We thank you. We believe you, oh God, for you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Same in power. Same in principle. The power of the resurrection is here this morning, and we believe that is able to do the same. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you. We commit this service into your hands. Be with the minister and be with the hearers of the word. We commit the service into your hands in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Sister Rebecca, That's, this is the second church service for Brother Aaron today. He preached this morning in Zimbabwe, and uh, so we appreciate them being here today. Um, Sister Rebecca is going to sing for us this morning. Always glad to have Sister Rebecca come by and uh, sing for us.
certainly remembering uh, the saints over in Johnson City today. Uh, they had to close their services this week because of the number of people who had uh, contracted the virus, the variant, and uh, some folks are very sick over there. So we, I told Brother Donnie we would sure be remembering uh, him and the saints over there in prayer and uh, just happened very, very quickly uh, over there last weekend. Well, we are honored today to have Brother Rap Crook, who's going to speak for us today, this morning, and then also at our youth event this afternoon. And um, I was trying to think, uh, Brother Rap and I go way back, way back, right? Um, I mean, too far for me to remember, for sure. But uh, Rap's been a good friend. Uh, his family's been good friends for many, many years and worked together in lots of different projects, traveled. Brother Rap is fluent in Russian and... Uh, he and I would travel to Russia several times, and I, I remember, you know, having a minister's meeting and talking with the ministers, and um, <clears throat> I'd get wrapped to just circulate through the crowd and listen to what folks were saying. You know, it was a great second set of ears to have there, and uh, he's just uh, just a, a great guy, a great dedicated Christian with Brother Paul LaFontaine, and um, uh, ministers to the saints up there on a regular basis, and so we're just honored to have him today. He's also principal of the Bible Believers Christian School uh, up in Lima. Been that for a number of years now, and uh, so stays uh, pretty busy uh, in all of his work that he does. So in the summer break, it's good to have him and his wife, Sister Lisbeth, uh, who's here. Uh, we're honored to have her without the three kids. This is a weekend away. I have three children, and Sister Lisbeth is from Holland, and uh, I'm not going to attempt her last name. But her father was the lead translator for Dutch sermons over the years, right, for many years, and uh, was instrumental in getting the message into the Dutch language, and uh, we're very thankful for that. So we are honored to have them uh, here today. It's the first time Brother Rapps ministered here for us, uh, but he was here years ago with, uh, when Brother Anbar first came to the country, right? And they assigned Brother Rapp as a tra uh, chauffeur for Brother Anwar, and drove him around a bunch of churches and came here in 2000? No. Was I here? Okay. So it would have been like 16 years ago, something like that, uh, in that time frame, and, and came and, and visited here. And uh, so, But it's been a while since you've been here uh, and first time to minister. So you make him feel welcome, if you will, and pull on that gift. And I know that God will have something good for all of us today. So... Uh, if you don't mind, let's stand to our feet and let's just sing the little chorus, Have Your Way. And uh, we'll invite Brother Rap to come and take his liberty today. Have your way. As we pray. 
Bible says that when Jesus, at the end of his earthly ministry, he was outside of Jerusalem and uh, different experience he'd had, miracles that he had. And in, the Bible says that he set his sights on Jerusalem. That's the way it says it, that Jesus focused on Jerusalem. He set his sights on, on the city. In other words, he knew that there were certain things going to happen and be fulfilled. It was going to be a very important time for him. So he set his sights on that. There was no, in other words, there was no distracting him. There was nothing, nothing going to hinder him going to Jerusalem. He knew this was what, what was in the plan. He knew exactly what he should do, the next step he should take. So he, he set his sights on Jerusalem and just focused on that. And I would encourage you this morning now, just set your sights on, on the word of the Lord and don't let anything distract you now. Don't let anything get in your way. Don't let anything bother you uh, during this service. Just lay it aside. There's a whole lot of things that are happening in your life that you can't do anything about this morning because they're out there and you're here. Just commit them to God and just set your sights on the word this morning and say, Lord, I believe you're here and I'm asking that you would speak to me. I'm not so much focused on the minister or who's here. Just I want to set my sights on the word of God and I want to believe with all my heart, Lord, send me what you have for me. Even if it's just a line or two or a verse of scripture, Lord, send it to me and make sure I get it. Because I don't want to miss it. Will you do that? And let's just trust that God will speak to our hearts today. Just let him speak to your heart. Open up your mind and your heart and just let him in. Just let him have his way this morning. Sing it one more time. Have your way. you all this morning. It's a real uh, joy to be able to be with you today, especially with my wife. Glad she could join us. My brother Barry said we've known each other for a long, long time, so it's glad to, glad to be with you all. Perhaps we could just open our Bibles up to uh, Malachi chapter 4 while you're standing. Remember the, uh, one of the first times I preached a long, long time ago was in uh, Malawi. I went down there with uh, Brother Vince Barnhart a long time ago and I was so nervous my first sermon down there, and uh, I read my text. Everybody was still standing. I forgot to make them sit down for like 20 minutes. We're just going to read our text. (laughs) We'll sit down, and then I'll make a few introductory remarks. Malachi chapter 4, and I just want to read verses 4, 5, and 6. Nothing nothing new. We'll go along some uh, regular paths this morning. Remember ye the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth 
with a curse. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness and your grace, Lord. We thank you that you gave us a promise where two or three are gathered in your name that you would be among us, Lord, and we believe that, Father. We thank you for the specials that have been sung, Lord, the worship, Father. Lord, there's so much to give thanks for and that we do, Lord. We, we give you all glory and honor. We just ask your blessing upon this service this morning. Help me to get out of the way, O oh God, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. God bless you all. First, I want to bring uh, greetings from, uh, from Brother Paul uh, in the church back, uh, back home. Um, just a few words about myself. Uh, like probably many of you, I was uh, raised in the message, so just kind of come along uh, almost uh, teething on a uh, church pew. I went to a, uh, sort of all the youth meetings, all the good, uh, good strong church, lots of, lots of good teaching uh, messages there along the way. And um, but you know, as, uh, as the Lord, Lord would have it, I went to a, we, we, our family did in the homeschool. I think my mom said that if we'd homeschooled, either she or one of the boys would probably be dead at the end of the day. So that homeschooling wasn't what uh, wasn't for us. I went to a a, a small Baptist, a fundamental Baptist church school there in the town uh, where we grew up, and uh, you know they 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 teach differently than, uh, than 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 we teach. Every we have Bible class every day. Every every day we'd have chapel. And you know what? The, as I was growing up, hearing one thing in the Methodist church. I was at then at school hearing something else. No, you get questions, and I just want to. Uh, and I and I had questions. And sometimes this is just me speaking here. When I'd get questions, like, man, what do I do with this? Because if I ask somebody at church my question, they're going to look at me and think, what's wrong with you? Don't you believe? Like, man, that 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 really shuts you up. It kind of clamps you down. And the thing is, though, if you never ask a question, what don't you ever get? <laughs> you don't ever get an answer. And, uh, you know, sometimes when we have questions, we think, what's, uh, what's wrong with me? Why don't I get it? Everybody else seems, seems to get it. What's wrong with me? And um, I appreciate what uh, Moses was, was telling the children of Israel there in Exodus chapter 12. He, they're, all, they're getting ready to go out of Egypt, and God is instituting uh, the Feast of the Passover. And they're having to do all kinds of new things that have never been done before, and they're supposed to be doing it every year with their children. And in verse 26 of chapter 12, um, Moses writes, And when your children watch you doing this, and they ask you, why are we doing this? Then you'll tell them the answer to it. So when they had a question, they might have felt, sometimes when we have questions, we feel like, what's wrong with me? Am I out of God's will somewhere? But no, when we have a question, we might be right in the middle of God's will. Because you can be getting things in a, a you can absorb a lot by osmosis, it seems like, in the church service. But then when you get a question, like, man, what is the answer? You've heard the answer for years, but it's never really become personal because you never had a personal question about it. And um, I'm going to tell you a little story about a, personal, a, per, a time that I had a personal question about uh, the message and uh, about Elijah especially. Growing up in, uh, at, uh, at our little Baptist church school, we had a basketball team, and being as tall as I am, you can't not be at the basketball team. You would be, uh, you would be the, the goat of the school if you were not to be on the basketball team. So we, we played ball. You know what? Uh, playing ball like that in the, in the Baptist uh, school, um, one of the things in the uniform, everybody wears shorts. And I went through my year, um, I, I, I wore shorts like everybody else did, but in the, uh, 
around my senior year, the Lord just started dealing with me. Like, you know what? If you believe the message, why aren't you doing something very simple? Um, and, you know, as, you know as, as guys, we've got it pretty easy when it comes to, to living what, uh, what, what the message teaches. The girls, you just, they'll stick out like a sore thumb. And it's, it's, it's much more difficult. But, guys, it's not that hard for us. So I just got to thinking, what am I going to do here? Because, uh, yeah, basketball season's getting ready to start. And I thought, man, the senior, you, know, you just kind of kick the can down the road. You know, I'll, I'll start this time and this time. It just kept going on and on and on. And, uh, and finally, I remember just kind of wrestling with a number of different things, that. And also, uh, um, I had a question one time. We, were, we had morning basketball practice. And uh, my basketball coach was a real intense guy, like a lot of coaches are. And at the end of basketball practice, he'd asked me if I wanted to go with him. He was also a ref, but he asked me if I wanted to go with him to that night's refing match. I said, sure, if coach asks you to go with him, you just go with coach. Um, but as soon as he asked me that, there was something in my heart that, that just told me, he's going to ask you about the message. He's going to ask you direct, because he, he doesn't beat around the bush, so he's going to ask you direct questions about the message. And I... It was, you know, you, you kind of get this inside knowledge, and just kind of—I was a little nervous about the ride. It was just coaching me in the car together that evening, and sure enough, um, I think I even brought my Bible there in my coat pocket just in case. And sure enough, um, we're in the car driving through the uh, the back country roads to whatever school it was, and he asked, "So, rap? Now I'm kind of new around you, but I, I hear you go to a different church. Um, what's so different about your church?" That's a big question. Where do you, what do you want to lead with there? So uh, we talked about, uh, I think we talked about uh, the Godhead. You heard something about the Godhead. And then, I, and then he said, no, did you hear about some kind of prophet? I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, where do you get this idea of a prophet? So I tried to talk about Malachi 4, and, he, and we just kind of went back and forth a little bit. And, I mean, he just kind of went, um, came, he, he, had, he was kind of in, in, incredulous and met my, my, um, my uh, nervous statements of faith with, um, with a strong remarks and wasn't quite sure what to do with it. And I, that really, to be honest, um, that conversation kind of sent me in a spiral because I didn't feel like I was able to give a good, strong answer. And, of course, I also felt like if I can't convince somebody else, maybe I'm not right. And that's not, that's not true. We're not responsible for convincing somebody. Um, all we do is just is just give it. But that nonetheless shook me up. And I remember one time he said, well, Malachi 4, do you have any other scriptures? And I thought of Revelation 10. But I don't want to tell him about an angel from heaven. He's just not going to do anything with that. So we, we kind of left that, that, that one out, uh, kind of choose our, choose our battles. But nonetheless, I was just spiraling, spiraling, spiraling. And I can remember um, that was the year, uh, that was 1999 in the fall. And that was the year that we didn't have winter youth retreat. Because as some of you might remember, that was the year the world was supposed to end because of a few things of computer code that wasn't taken care of. So we didn't have winter youth retreat because of Y2K. And I can remember after one of the services there, we had just a little fall fellowship. I asked Brother Barry. Now, it takes a lot of gut sometimes to ask a, ask a question. And uh, talk to Brother Barry, nobody else is in church. You just kind of, just kind of sit there at the back long enough until the last person leaves church. And then uh, so I asked him, can I talk to you for a minute? It's got a, got a question. And so we, we talked about a few things, uh, asked some questions. No, he didn't say, Brother Rep, don't you believe this? What he said was, well, why don't you leave? That's what he said. Why don't you leave? 
And I guess it kind of showed me, um, yeah, maybe I, maybe I believed more than I thought I did. And that was, uh, that, 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 that was good. I remember later that year I went to Louisiana camp, uh, talked to Brother Tim Pruitt after one of the services, and we, uh, I stru- shot straight with him, and he shot straight back at me and got answers to questions. That was just kind of the beginning of the uh, walk. But today I just want to kind of go over um, a basic message doctrine. I'm not here to bring anything, uh, anything new by any means, just the comings of Elijah. And I, I think we've all probably heard about this, but I just want to try to... Uh, Try to bring it in a, in a real personal way that's been helpful to me. Um, first, I want to show that this isn't the comings of Elijah. This isn't something that Brother Brandon made up right. in order to give himself a podium right. so that people have to follow him. He didn't right. make it up. Um, it's actually a biblical teaching, so we'll show that first, Lord willing. It's also something that various church fathers expected to be fulfilled because he came to restore. So we would expect if he's bringing something that we can find seeds of that back in church history. Lord willing, we'll, we'll see that. And it's also this, Brother Branham did restore it. So Lord willing, we'll uh, just take, take a look at that. Um, let me see if I can get this figured out. Aha, very good. So um, the comings of Elijah. And the, first, uh, the first coming of Elijah, I guess we could say, it, the original Elijah was Elijah the, the Tishbite. And again, there's nothing new here, so just kind of hang with me for a little bit. And we know about Elijah. We've read all kinds of Bible stories from him. Hopefully we recognize the Bible story that's illustrated there on the slide. But uh, Elijah is kind of an example that when a prophet comes, you come as we, we think, I wish a prophet would come to me. Well, it's usually a bad sign when a prophet comes to you because Elijah is coming with a voice of, uh, of judgment and of repentance. And Brother Brandon brought the same thing. Um, so he's prophesying judgment upon a backslidden nation. We know he held the rain back for three and a half years. Yep. And what I think is really interesting is in First um, uh, Kings 18, I believe it is, in the time of, where the kingdom was divided. He had lots of people following Baal, very few people following Jehovah by any stretch of the imagination. They're on, the mount, they're on that Mount Carmel showdown. Elijah very methodically rebuilds this, this, this altar. I think that this is a scene that kind of sets the stage. What is the purpose of the, of the Elijah spirit and, and, and his ministry? Because he's rebuilding it and he's using 12 stones. Why? Because this kingdom's divided all different ways. And now he's wanting to bring us back together. The only way for a divided kingdom to be brought back together is by being brought back to the original altar, the original word of God. There's no other political way of handling that, no other economic way of handling that, only with a spiritual restoration. This Elijah does. Um, we notice also Elijah was a man of the wilderness. Um, he wasn't a man of fashion. He wasn't a man um, known for his great intellect. He was a man of the wilderness with a strong, strong spirit. And I think this tells us too, sometimes you think today with the questions that are going around, why didn't God send us somebody a little more polished that's easier for us to present to our friends and neighbors? He didn't. God doesn't send to us what we want. He sends to us what we need. Yeah. And I could remember when I was um, like a few years before I married my wife, I was uh, young in Columbus for a year of uh, graduate school. And I, was, I entered graduate school in, in, in history and went with a little bit of trepidation because you know, there's a, a strong spirit that can be on college campuses, especially in the humanities. And I thought, I really want to, I want to make sure I give myself also to the message and God's voice there, because that's a really raw, uh, raw, strong 
good spirit that's completely the opposite of the college campus. And God sends to us what we need, not what we want. So this will be a theme that we also see coming forward. Now, when we look upon um, the next uh, portion, of, uh, the next use of, of Elijah's spirit there on Elisha, this just shows that God does use the spirit multiple times. So Brother Brandon's not making something up when he says, I'm coming in the spirit of Elijah. I was actually listening with, uh, on a, um, we listen to Focus on the Family Radio Theater sometimes on the long car trips. And the, one of the conversations that was going on, one of the scenes was that, that God doesn't, pe- people say, I'm using somebody else's spirit. And the, the person said, that's not biblical. Said, well, actually, Job, my son, yeah. that is biblical. Because we see it right here with Elijah and, and Elisha. And we see when Elijah goes up to heaven in 2 Kings 2.9, Elisha had requested, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. This is definitely biblical that someone's spirit can come upon someone else. So Elisha uh, basically continues the ministry of Elijah. And this double portion uh, idea sets a pattern for how the spirit of Elijah is going to be used later. So this is not a resurrection of the man Elijah. This is, a, uh, this is his spirit coming upon someone else. So when God takes a man, he doesn't always take his spirit with him. What we also see is... Um, Maybe we can turn in our Bibles to Second Kings chapter two. It's interesting in Second Kings chapter two, Elijah keeps telling Elisha, um, "Why don't you just stay here? You don't have to stay here in Bethel. Stay here in Gilgal. Don't follow me all, all, all the way." But each place where Elijah and Elisha would stop and rest, the sons of the prophets. We're telling Elisha, God is going to take your master, Elijah, from you today. And I think it's interesting. The sons of the prophets had a little bit of insight in what was about to happen. However, they didn't do much with it. They had a little bit of insight. God's going to take Elijah, but only Elisha was going to follow him all the way. And they, he, he really believed that Elijah was going to be taken from him, and he follows him with him. Let's take a look at verse... Um, Verse uh, 14. So as Elijah goes up to heaven, the man, his, his mantle fell from him. And Elijah, Elisha takes that um, and he returns back over the Jordan River. He smote the waters and said, where is the God of Elijah? And when he also had smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither. And Elisha went over. So all the sons of the prophets who had been observing so far and were waiting to see what would happen, they saw Elisha do what they had just seen Elijah do. Uh, do a few hours earlier. Verse 15, When the sons of the prophets which were to view at Jericho saw him, they said, The spirit of Elijah doth rest on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed themselves to the ground before him. And just look what, they, they've seen what God's done. They see that the spirit of Elijah rests on, on Elisha. This seems to be God's man. But what is their immediate tendency? Their immediate tendency is verse 15, Behold now, there be with our servants fifty strong men. Let them go, we pray thee, and seek thy master, lest peradventure the spirit of the Lord hath taken him up and cast him upon some mountain or into some valley. And he said, Ye shall not send. So even though they have just seen miraculously with their eyes the spirit, of, and they've borne witness the spirit of Elijah is on Elisha, they still want to go back and find Elijah. 
God's taken Elijah from them, but they still want to go back. Where is Elijah? They've said that Elijah's spirit's upon Elisha. Elisha says, don't do it, don't do it. Yet they still do it anyway. And here we see one of the, one of the uh, themes when these times of transition where the spirit of Elijah is being used, where he must increase, I must decrease. God's taking Elijah off the scene. Now the next portion, Elijah's going to in, in, in increase. And that's always hard for people to make that transition. You see it with Elijah, Elisha. You see it with John the Baptist and Jesus. You see it even today. This is a, this is a theme that we see. We also see with um, um, Elijah, or sorry, with Elisha, God blessed his ministry. He had twice as many miracles. And this, make, this makes me think back to um, when Jesus tells the disciples, greater works than these shall ye do. And a true leader never minds, is never worried about his followers doing more than he ever did. He rejoices in it. Yeah. So he, Elisha does more. He has a double portion. Jesus gives his spirit, the Holy Spirit, to the disciples later. They do great, many mighty works. And that's not, not, not putting Jesus' ministry down by any way. This is simply what Jesus said would happen. And that's a testimony to Jesus' ministry. Because it's not Peter, James, John doing the miracles. It wasn't Brother Branham doing the miracles. It was the Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Ghost, within him. What's also significant with Elisha's ministry that we start to see in, in, the, in future uses, uh, uses of the Spirit of Elijah is Elisha had significant dealings with Gentiles. So when we can, sometimes you, you, you hear it said that God only uses prophets with, with Jews. He doesn't do that so much with Gentiles. That's not true in the Old Testament. It's not true in the New Testament either. Because there's the Gentile Naaman who, was, who, who needed healing. And this, this little girl said, oh, I wish that you could go see the prophet in Israel. And God took time out for this Syrian general who's actually one of the enemies of Israel, you would say. God took time out for this Gentile. He also took time to anoint uh, Hazael, uh, who was going to be the next king of Assyria. So we see in the, in, as the spirit of Elijah goes from Elijah to Elisha that God is going to use this spirit to work with both Jews and Gentiles. And that's going to be important as we go on. Next, uh, we see that this is pretty, no, not doing anything new territory here, but God uses the spirit of Elijah upon John the Baptist. And we see this in uh, Luke 1.13, um, where Zacharias is offering a um, sacrifice there in the holy place, and the angels come to him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. Your wife Elizabeth shall bear you a son. You'll call his name John. We'll read further that he will go forward in the spirit and power of Elias. So his name is John. He's being born a baby. This is not Elijah being reborn. This is the spirit of Elijah being used again. And this is the, this is the place where I think it's, it's important to look biblically. What does the Bible say John was supposed to do? What does John do? And what does John not do? Because a lot of denominations will take a look and say, John fulfills everything that, that, of, of, of the prophesied Elijah to come. And that, we'll see, is not the case. Um, two characteristics of John's ministry is going to prepare the way for the Messiah, and he's going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. So we look at these two things. And first, the key word is prepare. Um, John, he's identifying himself in Matthew 3. He's going forward and saying, and he's preaching, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. 
the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make its path straight. Similar thing is said in Isaiah 40, verse 3, the voice of him that cries in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. This is, this is completely John's calling. John's knowing John is preparing. The other thing that we read in their text that, that, that Elijah would do at the end time would be restoring. Now, preparing and restoring are not the same thing. Right. Preparing and restoring are almost opposites. So John the Baptist is called to prepare, which means there's something left over still for someone to restore. Um, Jesus is asked about, um, about John the Baptist. And Jesus identifies, This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. So again, the key, a key word with John's ministry is prepare. Again, he's preparing, preparing, preparing. And then in Malachi 3, verse 1, lots of, lots of witnesses old and new about this. I'll send my messenger. He shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom ye seek shall suddenly come to his temple, and he will even the messenger of the covenant whom ye delight in. So again, John is all about preparing, not restoring, preparing. Now the next part um, is um, this phrase, he will turn the hearts of the children um, to the fathers and the hearts of the fathers to the children. So we'll take a look at Luke chapter 1. This is a continuation of the angel Gabriel's message to Zacharias. Uh, John will be great in the sight of the Lord. He'll drink neither wine nor strong drink. And he'll be filled with the Holy Ghost from his mother's, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. Do you remember? He was told he was going to be turning the heart of the fathers to the children. It's the children here who are believing. The children of Israel will be turned to the Lord their God. And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias. This is Gabriel speaking to Zacharias. To turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. Usually hearts of fathers don't get turned to children. The fathers are supposed to be leading children. But in this case... In verse 16, it's the children of Israel who are being turned to God, and the fathers, who would be the, 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 the church leaders, the scribes and Pharisees, their hearts need to be turned to the children, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So we see that word again, prepare, in John the Baptist's ministry. So it's the children who were having their hearts turned uh, to the Lord their God. It wasn't the fathers. You don't see very many scribes and Pharisees or priests having their hearts turned. It's the children of Israel who were having their hearts turned at this point. And if we continue to look at the importance of the word children in, this, in, the, in these chapters of the Bible, Jesus continually refers to his followers as children. So it's the children of Israel. They're, they've had their hearts turned. Jesus refers to them that way as well. So in John's day, it's the children of the prophecies, and they're characterized by their obedience. And ironically, the fathers are characterized by their disobedience. But the children are characterized by obedience. Part of John's message if you look further down to Malachi chapter 3 and verse 3, um, he's supposed to purify the sons of Levi. 
And this is part, he's trying to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. He's purifying the sons of Levi so that they will, be, so, so, so they will believe on the Lord. Because right now, the fathers are opposing both John's ministry and Jesus' ministry. He wants to purify the sons of Levi, to turn a corrupt priesthood to the simple faith that the, that the children have. Jesus says, except you be converted and become as little children, you won't enter into the kingdom of heaven. And his ministry was effective because later in Acts chapter 6, a great company of priests did become obedient to the faith. I mean, these priests had a great demonstration of God's power on the day of the resurrection when the, when the temple veil was, was completely rent in twain. They, they, they saw that. I know many of them probably were wrestling with questions as well. And God brought these questions to a climax, and many of them did become obedient to the faith. The sons of Levi were purified. But the question, if we look over at Luke chapter 1, let's turn over in our Bible. Because people want to say that John the Baptist turned both the hearts of the fathers to the children and the heart to the children of the fathers. The people want to say that he did both. Because of verse 17, we'll just read it again, Luke 1, 17. He'll go before him in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. So the question is, who were the disobedient and who were the just? Because people say, is Luke 1, 17, maybe it's just paraphrasing Malachi 4.6. Malachi 4.6 says fathers, children, children, fathers. Luke chapter 1 says only one of them and it says the turn of the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. Is it just a paraphrase? Because Luke is a great argument saying no. John only does one of them, which means there's one left over. So I want to kind of show that Luke 1.17 is not paraphrasing Malachi 4.6. John's just doing part of it. Who was the just one? We need to find out who, was, who were the disobedient and who were the just. If we look in the book of Acts, chapter 3, Peter is now um, ministering, and there are a lot of people all around him, scribes, Pharisees, um, simple people, willing believers, all of them. And Jesus, Peter's preaching now, and he says, You denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murderer to be granted to you. What is Peter doing in this sermon, Acts chapter 3? He's actually trying to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children still. He's trying to turn the hearts. And he's saying, you denied the Holy One and the just. If you denied the Holy One and the just, you're being disobedient. You're being disobedient fathers. Who is the just one? The just one weren't the children. The just one was Jesus. So when you're saying the disobedient and just, that's not a father's children analogy. No, this is an analogy to the crucifixion that Jesus is the just one. Sure. You see the same thing in Acts chapter 7 when uh, Stephen is being tried before the council. It's kind of interesting to see the council has brought Stephen there to try him. But as they give him the floor, which is probably a mistake, they look back and say, we wish we hadn't given Stephen the floor because he actually turns the tables. Instead of them trying him, he actually tries them and indicts them for crucifying the Lord Jesus. And he indicts them for being the disobedient ones. Because Stephen, in his message, is also trying to turn the hearts of fathers to children. He says, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Ghost. As your fathers did, so did ye. Which of the fathers have you not persecuted? They've slain them, which showed before of the coming of the just one. So who is the, the just? The just is again referring to Jesus Christ. 
the disobedient will be the church fathers, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, who crucified him. Then we see again in, the, in Acts 22, and this is where the uh, Apostle Paul is telling his testimony. And he's telling that part of the testimony after the light had struck, after, after he'd met Jesus on the road to Damascus, he'd been blinded by the light. And then he goes to Ananias' house, and Ananias says to him, The God of our fathers hath chosen you, that you should know his will and see that just one. Well, who did the Apostle Paul see? He saw Jesus Christ. So the disobedient to the wisdom of the just is not talking about fathers and children and children and fathers. It's talking about disobedient fathers, scribes, Pharisees, like Saul. He was one of the disobedient who had his heart turned to Jesus Christ. That's what it's talking about, which means that there's still something left for, uh, to be fulfilled. The second part of Luke 1.17 cannot be a paraphrase of Malachi 4.6. It wouldn't make any sense. The just one is Jesus Christ, not the fathers who are rejecting Christ's ministry. It doesn't make any sense for John to turn the hearts of obedient children to disobedient fathers. And that's what you would have to accept if you saw that this is uh, turn the hearts of fathers to children, hearts of children to fathers. John's just coming to bring unity to the children of Israel. John did anything but bring unity. This is what this is not a paraphrase. It shows that there is something left still to be fulfilled. And part of Malachi 4.6 still awaited fulfillment after, um, after uh, the death of John the Baptist. Now, when we get to the idea that an Elijah, the spirit of Elijah, a prophet being sent in the last days to the Gentiles, that can raise some hackles sometimes. Because how can a prophet be used to go to the Gentiles? Well, like I said, the spirit of Elijah and Elisha was used for the Gentiles a couple of times. There are also some examples in the Old Testament, like Jonah. Jonah was sent to the Gentile city of uh, of, of, of Nineveh. He didn't want to go there because it was a Gentile city, but God sent him there nonetheless. So yes, God does use prophets in the Old Testament to go to the Gentiles, and he doesn't stop using prophets. In Matthew twenty three thirty four. these are red-letter words, Jesus speaking, Behold, I send unto you prophets. He doesn't say, I sent unto you prophets. I send unto you prophets. I'm still going to be doing this. I don't stop with this. And um, one of the one of the ways that um, people have tried to knock out um, a Malachi 4 application to Brother Brandon, they go back all the way to the first chapter and verse of Malachi. And it says, the burden of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. And say, hey, look, it says the book of Malachi is written to Israel. So this isn't a gen- this is, there's no part of the book of Malachi that could ever be applicable to Gentiles because it says right in verse 1, this is to Israel. So what are you doing trying to apply it to yourself, Brother Brandon? That's, that's not right. And um, I think it's good to, to take a look at a couple things in Malachi. First, if we're saying that the, that the message of Malachi is only for Jews and not Gentiles, it's odd that in verse 11... It's Malachi writes specifically to Gentiles. He says, For from the rising of the sun, even to the going down of the same, my name shall be great among the Gentiles. So it's not just a book to be reserved for Jews. Malachi speaks himself of Gentiles in there. But apart from that, um, 
it's odd that we would say just because of the way the, the introduction to a, a book is written that, that, that says everything about the book. We'll look at that in just a minute. The Apostle Paul also, is a, and, uh, who is the Apostle to the Gentiles, he quotes from Malachi chapter 1 and Romans chapter 9. So Paul is, if we say, because Malachi 1, 1 says it's just for, the, just, for the, just for Israel, well, Paul's kind of pulling that out from under our feet because he's applying some of Malachi in the book written to Gentiles. Like I said, Elisha had the ministry for Gentiles, so it's not strange that uh, that would, would continue. But such a narrow interpretation of a book's introductory verse is going to lead us to conclusions that are clearly wrong. We're going to take another example from another Bible book. Isaiah 1.1, the vision of Isaiah, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. So according to Isaiah 1.1, who is this book for? Who is it about? Well, for Judah and Jerusalem. Can we say about the book of Isaiah, it's for no, for no other purpose for no one else. Well, there's a lot in the book of Isaiah that we'd not be able to apply to ourselves then. Sure, sure. Take a look. A virgin shall conceive and bear a son, shall call his name Emmanuel. Is that only for Judah and Jerusalem? Sure. No. That's, that's our Savior too. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Is that just for Jerusalem and Judah? No. That's for us still today. With his stripes we are healed, Isaiah 53. I create a new heavens and a new earth. That's for all God's people, Jew and Gentile. So you can't say just because the first verse says it's for Jerusalem and Judea, that's only for Jews. No, no, no. Because there are multiple applications to scriptures. So when Malachi receives the burden of the word of the Lord to Israel, he was really burdened for Israel at his particular time. But God's not limited by time and place. His anointing can be coming through. There will be multiple applications to it, multiple fulfillments of it. And you see that right in Malachi. You don't have to read between the lines to see it either. It's right there. So we've got um, Elijah. His ministry was used on Elisha. His spirit was used upon Elisha. His spirit was used upon John the Baptist. Now as we kind of get ready to see... his spirit can it, it is possible for his spirit to be used upon the Gentiles again. It, we see that biblically. We see Malachi 4. But did anybody else besides Brother Branham think of this? Or did Brother Branham think of This is a great scripture to use so I can have a platform for myself. There were church fathers who expected this kind of thing as well. We'll take a look at a couple of them here. That church fathers did have expectations for an Elijah coming before the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Uh, first one here um, is St. Augustine. This, you can, if, you have a, if you have a Catholic study Bible, the Douay Reim study of Bible, he says what John was to the first advent, that would Elias be to the second advent. The advent's the first coming of Christ, that would Elias be the second a- coming. As there are two advents of the judge, so are there two heralds. What's a herald? It's a, for- a forerunner, right? There are two advents of two comings of the judge. There'll be two forerunners. Elias will be in the second coming what John was in the first. That's in the Catholic study Bible. So we have a church father who's who's teaching it. You don't get too many more renowned church fathers in St. Augustine. That was in, uh, I think, the 3rd, 4th century. In the um, 10th century, 12th century, rather, Theophilic of Ored says, for both the forerunner and Elijah have the same ministry. The one was the forerunner of the first coming. Well, Elijah will be the forerunner of the second coming. 
of then showing up. It is an enigma that John, as Elijah, requires wisdom to understand that Jesus says, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. So this Theophilact is quoting Matthew 11 there. These are things that we can all in the message church say amen to. This isn't the Catholic study of Bible, but this is, this, is a, this is an understanding of Bible prophecy that was been through the Dark Ages, before the Dark Ages, after the Dark Ages. It's there. Brother Brenham didn't come up with it. It's in the Bible. The church fathers were expecting it, and it happened. Uh, Martin Luther and uh, this one I found on uh, Google Books. You can find the, the th- his third Christmas sermon on, on Google Books. But he says, I know of nothing more to expect. And Martin Luther thought he was living in the last days. He says, I don't know. I, I, we don't have anything more to expect to, about the coming of Elijah unless it might be that his spirit will be manifest again in the power of the word of God as now seems probable. He's saying, it's quite likely that we are now living in this coming of the spirit of Elijah. Because... Think about that. He had, Martin Luther went through a lot. I think he's wrestling, do I have the spirit of Elijah upon me? It would take quite a spirit to go against the Jezebel spirit of the Roman Catholic Church. And Martin Luther is wondering, is this what's happening now? For I have no longer any doubt that the Pope, along with the Turks, are Antichrist. Whatever you believe, this is what I believe. So we've got throughout church history, just three examples here, that yes, church fathers did expect there to be some fulfillment of Malachi chapter 4, 5, and 6 with, that pertained to the Gentiles. Amen. So we see that John the Baptist, he's the first forerunner, like St. Augustine said, like Theophilus said. He's preparing the way, he's turning the hearts of the fathers to children, whereas the later fulfillment... This is the second forerunner, the second herald of the coming. He's going to restore the way. Someone's prepared it. Now we're having the way restored, turning hearts of children to fathers. And Jesus says here, like this is what Theophilus quoted. Jesus answers the disciples' question. says, yes, Elias truly shall first come and restore all things. Notice Jesus does not say prepare here. There's an Elijah spirit coming that's going to restore. Jesus is now... Like Theophilus said, this is an enigma. This is a mystery. Jesus is trying to explain it a little bit. But I say unto Elias, has come already. That's how can he come already but not yet? Well, there's two fulfillments of it. One prepares and the other restores. So we can look at the... Um, they're in the Gospels and in the book of Acts. The Gospel was given... The Spirit of the Holy Ghost was released upon the church. And it kind of, uh, it, it, uh, there's, there's a similar pattern to what we read in Malachi 4.4 where the law came to Moses on Mount Sinai. When Moses was there on Mount Sinai, God met him very personally. He gave him the law on the tablets. He brought it down. And then before, as he's coming down, he sees, even, as I, even before I've introduced the law to the people, they're already breaking it. And he throws those tablets down, breaks them into all kinds of pieces, and then makes the This is a great, uh, a great scene of very sober repentance afterwards. And then Moses goes back up to Sinai, and God has him chisel out those, those, those commandments out on tablets again. So the law is given, it's broken immediately, and then it's restored. We see that pattern in Malachi 4.4. And we see the actual, this is the same pattern in the New Testament. Jesus, Jesus comes, he teaches the gospel of the kingdom, the Holy Spirit is given, 
there in the book of Acts, and right at right out of the chute, right quickly after the day of Pentecost, just a few chapters later, Philip goes up to Samaria, and there he sees Simon the sorcerer who's trying to use. Um, you can see all so many Antichrist characteristics in Simon's ministry, trying to use the gospel for his own effect. He wants to buy the power to give the Holy Spirit to people so he can connect people to himself, put people there under fear and bondage. You see the Antichrist spirit right away riding out with him. So the law, um, rather the, the, the gospel and the spirit were given in the church ages. A cycle of apostasy began. But God doesn't start something without going. He's not going to start without finishing it. And there again, at the end, there'll be a restoration. Amen. So this is, this is a model. We see the church in Revelation 1, 2, and 3. You compare it to the book of Acts, very, very different. There's a need of restoration. I'm sure you've been to an, uh, an art museum uh, before. Um, I was just down at, uh, at teachers' conventions um, this last week attending seminars about how to work with those wonderful 7th uh, uh, and 8th grade junior high students. I remember one video clip that was uh, done, and the presenter was saying, I knew right away that this, 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 this child, this video clip, he's definitely junior high. As this group of students is going to this art museum, and somehow, and this is a security camera footage, and some of this one little, this, this, this one kid um, was walking through a museum with a Coke bottle. <laughs> Who lets a 12-year-old walk around with these great works of art in a Coke bottle? And you see him just turn the corner, and what's characteristic of junior high student, nothing happened. He just tripped over nothing. Just kind of, he turns the corner, and there's nothing there. He just trips and stumbles to catch himself. He puts his hand right through this multi-million dollar work of art. Nobody sees it but the camera. And he just kind of looks at it, looks around, steps back, and goes on his way. It's like, wow. Um, yeah, the teacher, this is definitely a, a junior high student. But um, talk about restoring, though. Um, restoring a work of art, it might take more time to restore a work of art than it took to paint the original work of art. I know the good news is this uh, museum had a great insurance policy, and they were able to restore this, uh, the, the, this work of art. But it goes to show, though, Jesus was there for a few years there in the Gospels. Holy Spirit came there on the day of Pentecost, and then just goes through the book of Acts. And yet, how many the, 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 the Antichrist spirits going to try to mar this work of art? But God is so committed to this work of art, his bride, he's going to take time, 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 time to restore it. He's not going to say, oh, I'm going to go and paint another one someday. No, that'd be the easy solution but is committed, restores, restores, and and restores. You see in Revelation 1 through 3, there was a great work of restoration that needed done. And then this work of restoration, what's the model? What do you have to go back and look to? Because when you're restoring a work of art, you're going to be looking at the other works of art by this this particular painter. You want to look at it as a comparison. This is the style here. This is how we made the color here, how we did a shadowing here. You can use it as 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 a model, as a standard to compare against. In the New Testament, the fathers of the, of the New Testament church, they're shown positively. They are the example. They are the model. So when you're going to be restoring the New Testament church and the last days, you're looking, where's the model? Well, the church fathers in the book of Acts, they are the model. Sure. Paul says, I've begotten you through the gospel. Be ye followers of me. He says, I should have read the first verse. You have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet ye have not many fathers. 
For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. He's declaring, he's basically the father of the church. In so many words. So the the children have to be restored to his gospel, the original gospel. Amen. So the gospel of Paul is the standard. In Galatians 1.8, Paul says, But though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than what you have already received, let him be accursed. Even if I were to come next week, he's saying, and say something different than what he already said, the second version's wrong. If anybody else were to come, they're wrong. The first gospel is the right gospel. So any work of restoration has to comport, has to agree with this first gospel that was preached. I think it's interesting. I'm going the wrong way. I think it's interesting too. Paul says, "Be followers of me." So yeah, the people of the first church are completely wide open to the accusation: "You're being a follower of a man," but only to the extent that he follows Christ. And he did. And he did. I think it's interesting when we look at uh, the message that brother that the uh, angel spoke over Brother Branham there on the Ohio River as he was baptizing. It sounds very similar to what the early church fathers were saying. As John the Baptist was sent forth for a forerunner of the first coming of Christ, so will your message be the forerunning of the second coming. Sounds very much like what the church fathers would have been expecting. Now, of course, we always have, um, it's interesting, living at the moment when God's fulfilling something, because we all have a particular expectation of what that's going to be. And God usually does a really good job of going around our expectations so that we have to live by the same kind of faith following this forerunner as the early believers had to do when they were following Paul in the first century. It wasn't easy following Paul. And look at how many times Paul um, has to show his credentials, show that he is an apostle. The the, the church in Corinth, that was a real pain in the neck. They were constantly criticizing, disagreeing that he was this or that, but Paul continually... He's being patient. Even among the other disciples, if you go to the look at the Jerusalem Council in the book of Galatians, Paul's talking about that. He and Peter disagree violently. when, When he says, I'm the apostle of the Gentiles, not everybody's saying, amen, he's the apostle of the Gentiles, listen to him. That's not what it was. It was still a walk of faith. And uh, there uh, might be something for another day, but uh, Paul in Galatians chapter 1 points back to a couple of Old Testament allusions to show that, hey, I'm here in the gospel. I'm I'm, I'm spoken about in the Old Testament as well. Brother Brandon, I think, has more Old Testament scripture to point back to than, 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 than Paul did there in Malachi chapter 4 especially. So the message of the angel when Brother Brandon was baptizing is consistent with the church fathers uh, would have expected. It's also consistent with what the Bible teaches. What you see right right here, um, you see again the theme, he must increase, I must decrease. It doesn't say that Brother Branham would be the forerunner. It says your message will be the forerunner. So again, this he must increase, the message, the word made flesh, the word, that is what's forerunning. That's what, what it was, is, is, is what he brought. But he himself had to decrease. Yeah. That was difficult for the sons of the prophets to believe when Elijah passed, passed when there was translated to heaven and Elisha's coming back. Elisha says, don't go look for him. Don't, now we're going to go look for him. We want to find him. They understood that God is using Elisha, but they wanted to find Elijah. 
Elisha told him, no, he must increase, I must decrease. It's the same uh, battle, same tendency still today. So kind of uh, reviewing here, uh, actually one, one other thing here. Um, take a look at Acts chapter 5. It's interesting when, uh, when, when, when the Holy Spirit is getting ready to do something. Many people can catch the spirit of that besides just the one who's supposed to catch the spirit of that. There's, there's God, God's spirits upon the land to do, to do a certain thing. And you'll find there are many different, uh, if, you were to, if you were to search around, who are the different ministers who have uh, said, I'm Elijah who's going to forerun the second coming. You'll find some pretty crazy people in there. And that'll, that is often used as an example. Say, hey, look at all these crazies who say this. What they're saying is patently false. Just because there are some crazy people doesn't mean what they do is false. I mean, you can have really crazy people who go to Walmart, but it doesn't mean that Walmart is necessarily a crazy place to go. Um, look at Acts chapter 5, um, 5 and verse 36. This is uh, here the, uh, the scribes and Pharisees are uh, disputing about what should we do with uh, Peter and James and John, these disciples, because, yeah, people are converting in in mass there on the streets. We've got to be careful, because if we go too hard against them, it could be off with our our, our heads. And Gamaliel um, tells them they should be careful. Uh, verse, uh, Verse 35, You men of Israel, take heed to yourselves what ye intend to do as touching these men. For before these days rose up Thotis, boasting himself to be somebody, to whom a number of men, about 400, joined themselves, who was slain, and all, as many as obeyed him, were scattered and brought to naught. Thotis, one of the crazies, who says, I'm, I'm supposed to fulfill all these Bible prophecies. It came absolutely to nothing and gave a really bad name to the prophecies. But does that mean the prophecies were wrong? No. So, so somebody who can twist the meaning doesn't mean the original prophecy is wrong. You can have um, verse 37. After this man rose up Judas of Galilee in the days of the taxing. So that was when the year Jesus was born. And he drew away much people after him. He also perished, and all, even as many obeyed him, were dispersed. So these men, they're catching the spirit of the day. Jesus is being born the same time John the Baptist is being born. These men are catching this anointing, and they're doing something with it that's wrong, but they're still catching that anointing. What they do is wrong with it, but the original anointing is not. The original prophecy is not. So yes, um, there can be all kinds of people who will associate themselves with prophecies that Brother Branham fulfilled, or people who can associate themselves with the name of the message. But that doesn't detract from the reality of the message. Thotis and Judas didn't detract from John the Baptist's message or Jesus' message. The original message was still true, and it remained so. So, five comings of Elijah's spirit. You've got Elijah the Tishbite. We talked about him. Elisha with the double portion. You have John the Baptist, who prepares the way for the first coming. Then you have William Branham, who restores the way uh, for the second coming. His message restores that way. And then last, I'm not going to spend so much time on this one, because it's not one that really applies to to us, but Elijah's spirit will be used again in the book of Revelation, along with Moses, to restore uh, the way to the 144,000 during the Great Tribulation. So what this tells me is that there, there is a message in what Brother Branham preached. It wasn't just a, 
a healing ministry. It wasn't uh, just an evangelistic ministry that crisscrosses the United States and goes around the world. There's a message to it. The angel said, it's not you that's forerunning the second coming. It's your message. And it is, a, it is a, uh, an important distinction. And so this, this message that Brother Brandon pe- preached does restore Paul's gospel to us. It can be interesting sometimes to, uh, to visit another church when you're on vacation. We've done that before. Um, when we were in uh, Holland, I think there was one time that they, uh, they had the, uh, the Dutch convention and many of the people in the church went there. And at that point with um, little babies, we just didn't feel like we were going to be going to the convention that year. We were going to take a, take a little uh, sabbatical. So we went um, to a nearby town, to a little Baptist church there in, uh, in a town called Alphen. Um, it was interesting. I, I enjoyed the service. That's some good teaching. It's actually a church who did believe in uh, church ages and dispensations. I enjoyed it. Um, but you know what? There's still, because you, because you believe the message and, and you see what's in, 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 in the Bible, there be little, even little things, and I said, I, I just can't swallow that. The Dutch word for communion is, is avondmaal, which means evening meal. And in the Sunday morning service, um, one of the things that just kind of got me, I, 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 this is I just can't really handle so well. At the end of the service, like many denominational churches, they had communion. But it's interesting how many different ways the pastor is able to avoid saying, in this morning service, we're going to have the evening meal, which is what you are literally saying when we have the avondmaal, the evening meal. Like, how, are we, how can we say that we're going to be following the scripture and now in our morning service, we're going to have our evening meal. It's, it, it, it's breaking a pattern. And Brother Brandon, there are many things like that where Brother Brandon point, he's, he's restoring us back. Because at least I was talking to my wife afterwards. How many things did Jesus actually tell us to do? He told us to do communion, foot washing, and baptism. That's a pretty short list, three things. How many churches get all three wrong? <laughs> you have the evening meal in the morning and it's passed around and uh, get leavened bread like what's the big deal he only told us to do three things what's the big deal with doing those three things right (laughs) giving us leavened bread why is that so important because leaven types of things that you add that aren't in there and that pervert what's supposed to be and you see that the leaven's brought around and uh, in European churches, they do, give, uh, they do give wine, but most churches here in America, they give you the grape juice, which sours after all. The gospel doesn't do that. I mean, what's so complicated about doing the, those three things right? And how many churches actually do foot washing? Very, some do. Some do. But very few. Why? I don't know. But he just asked us to do three things. Let's, let's do them. Then what was the uh, water baptism? In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost is done all over the place. You know, who's the one who writes that? Matthew does. He's the one who said, wrote Father, Son, Holy Ghost. But uh, Matthew was probably there on the day of Pentecost. And as Simon Peter is preaching, you should be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew doesn't say, time out, Peter. Time out. Flag on the field. This isn't right. They don't, it, it doesn't happen. They're all in one accord about this. They're all in one accord. So Peter has the revelation of it, and I would say Matthew did too. But you know what? Sometimes God gives us um, the out if we want the out. 
He can give us the excuse if we want the excuse. But you see, all through the Bible, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ just asks us to do three things. And all three of them are usually done wrong. I'm not condemning anybody for that, but when God shows us the right way, let's, let's go ahead and do it that way. Amen. Just little things like that. If I were to leave the message, where could I go that even those three little things would be done right? I, those three little things are very clear. They're supposed to be done this way. Yeah. Where could you go? Because right. once you start deciding, I'll throw this out, throw this out, throw this out, that list which throughout becomes, it gets longer and longer. Yeah, and then true. you get yourself in a tough spot. So um, now when you have questions, I just kind of go back to where we started with. God ordains things in our lives so that we have questions. Questions are not to be avoided. I'd say questions are to be embraced yeah. because that's the way that we get, that truth gets made personal is when we have a personal question about it. When we have a question, the devil's strategy is to try to isolate you off so you're afraid to ask the question because, oh, if you ask the question, they're going to think bad about you. That's the strategy. And um, the other part of the strategy is go find people with the same question, thinking like, thinking a particular way, ask them for it. It reminds me of uh, when I was in college. We had this really, really tough class. So it was American economic History, And I remember the first day, there was a new professor, and first day of class, she reads the three-page syllabus, every word of it for all of us. There were like 24 students the first day of class. Second day of class, half the class dropped. They just <laughs> fell like flies. It was a really difficult class. And we were going to work our rear ends off to do well for this uh, professor. Well, the first uh, exam comes around, and all of us guys, only guys stayed in the class. That's how it was. Um, all of us guys got together in the library and we studied together. We studied hard. And studying together can be very helpful. The danger is you can also convince each other that you have the wrong answer and you think it's right. And sure enough, we studied hard together and we all wrote the same answer on the exam that was wrong. But we all thought it was right. When we have a question, we should go to the professor, to the Lord, one of God's ministers, for, for help with that, and not to people who are also struggling with the same question. Because we might have a very sympathetic ear, and we might leave that study session feeling good and prepared with the wrong answer. And it's not that big a deal if you miss one question, or even yeah, in the grand scheme of things, you, you fail an exam in college. That's not that big of a deal. But you know what? In the exam of life... I want to learn the right answers. I don't want to leave just feeling good about myself and my question, having talked to sympathetic ears. I want to leave with the right answer. And you go to the Lord with an open heart, and he will grant those answers in his time. So there is a, uh, there is a message. And where can we find this, this message in, uh, in uh, Scripture? Just a couple places here. I like to look at Matthew chapter 25. All the bridegroom tarried, all the wise and the foolish virgins slumbered and slept. And at midnight was a cry made. This cry, this is Brother Brandon's ministry going out. Get ready, wake up. The bridegroom's coming, go out to meet him. So you ask, where's the message in the Bible? Well, here's one, here's, here's one place. And then you also have uh, the other places, I'm sure I just have two right here. Revelation chapter 3. 
Revelation is a book of prophecy, it says in chapter 1. So we can look at the revelations not just pertaining to seven churches who were contemporaneous with uh, John there when he's on the Isle of Patmos. He's looking forward into time. And each one of these uh, ages is talking about a, a time period where these particular characteristics are being dominant um, there in that time period. And we have the message here in Revelation chapter 3. Maybe we can open up to that. At the end of the Church Age book, Brother Branham says that, uh, speaking of the age of Laodicea, this is the age of apostasy. And if you look around you, my goodness, could it get any darker? You think it's as dark as possible until you read tomorrow's newspaper. And there's something else. And my, it's, it's just really, really, really bad. Think about it, what it was like 10 years ago, 20 years ago. I, didn't, I got a cell phone when I was 28 years old. It was my first cell phone. There was no internet on that cell phone. You had so many minutes to call each month. You had so many text messages you could send each month. Data plans, I didn't do anything with that for years. I didn't have a smartphone until my daughter was born, like five years ago. That's how old school I am. But how quickly things can change and go worse and worse and worse. And you can see even, I don't have the illustration, if you open your, up, up, up your church age book with that candelabra, and then you see the, the amount of darkness in each age. And if you were to put a timeline at the bottom of that candlestick, which I had those candlesticks, put the timeline there at the bottom, the age that we're living in is darkness. Yeah. It's complete darkness. Yeah. But he doesn't leave us. If we take a look, uh, um, Revelation chapter 3, under the angel of the church of the Laodiceans, write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. And if you look in chapter 1, Jesus Christ is walking through the seven golden candlesticks. That means we're not alone, because he's walking here with us as well. Yeah. He doesn't abandon us in this time of apostasy. I know thy works. You're neither cold nor hot. I would that you were cold or hot. But because you're lukewarm and not cold or hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. And you know what? This is an age of lukewarmness. You know, it's not really called lukewarmness. But if you ask people their opinion about this or that, especially if it pertains to moral things, oh, what's fine for you is fine for you, somebody else, somebody else. But take a stand on something? Nobody takes a stand on much. Across the board. You've got the extremes, but across the board, whatever goes, goes. Because, I, 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 uh, because you say I'm rich and increased with goods, have need of nothing. That sounds like our time. We're rich, we're increased with goods. And even if you're rich and increased with goods, you still got a stimulus payment. Yeah. You could have more goods. Yeah. You know not that you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire. All of this is part of the message. He doesn't send that which we want. We live in a therapeutic generation. It's, ah, you just need to feel good about yourself. There's not much feel-goodism in this message of Revelation chapter 3 or in Brother Branham's message. It rubs you the wrong way. But if, you, but if you need to get corrected, you need to get rubbed the wrong way. But verse 22, He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And that is another place where we see the message today. So this is the age of apostasy, the age also of restoration, the age of the finished cycle. With this age, it's all over. You know what, this last year... Um, all kinds of turmoil that we see in the headlines. I kind of felt like we were, you know, I was teaching a government class. And I man, I got tired of teaching government class. I got tired of talking about the news. It was bad, bad, bad. But I kind of felt like I told my other teachers, I feel like we have, 
whether we like it or not, we have a front row seat to prophecy being fulfilled. It's not, a, not, not, the, not the seat I would have chosen, perhaps. Not fun to be there. But when we see what's going on, that God's hand yeah. is orchestrated, the wrath of man that can work the righteousness of God, we see that. We conclude, Brother Branham says, saying only what the Spirit said to each age, he that hath an ear to hear, hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And I love this uh, last paragraph in the Church Age book, and I'll just close with this. Brother Branham says, Not for one moment do I bring a message to the people that they may follow me or join my church, or start some fellowship or organization. You see this, he must, he must increase, I must decrease. Yeah. Brother Branham had that. Yeah. Not everybody does, Brother Branham had that. Yeah. I've never done that and will not do that now. I have no interest in those things. I do have an interest in the things of God and people. And if I can accomplish just one thing, I'll be satisfied. That one thing is to see established a true spiritual relationship between God and men wherein men become new creations in Christ, filled with his spirit, and live according to his word. And I'd invite, I think this is for us today as well, plead and warn all to hear his voice at this time. You know what? I, there probably isn't as much listening to the message, reading the message as there have been in years past. But God gave it to us for a reason. And it's not just, uh, you know, we might think, oh, I've heard it all before. I know what he taught. That's true. But God didn't send us a theologian. Sometimes we and those people wish that he sent us something more polished. But there's a spirit that Brother Branham had, the spirit of Elijah, the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And I think when you, when, when you listen to what he said, how he said it, you can catch a spirit. And, yeah, sometimes you can catch his spirit. We don't want to do that. But you want to catch the Holy Spirit moving through him. Yeah. Because that's what God has given to us for a reason. Amen. Brother Branham says, yield yourselves completely to him even as I trust in my heart that I have given my all to him. God bless you, he says, and may his coming rejoice our heart. And I think we've got a lot to look forward to, maybe not in tomorrow's yeah. headlines, but there'll be a headline someday when the, when the trump of the Lord shall sound, and it'll be translated that other, to the other world, other dimension. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us. I thank you, Father, that even in the turbulent times, Father, you... You send a light. You send a message that loudly proclaims the way. None of this was done in the corner. It captured headlines back in the 40s, 50s, and 60s. And Lord, I just thank you that it's been preserved, that we can still take part in it, Lord. I thank you for restoring the truths that Paul preached, that we don't have to, to dabble around in confusion, Father. Lord, I pray for each one who might have a question, many questions perhaps, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would Assure them that even with the questions, especially with the questions, they just are still smack dab in your will. And Lord, I pray they would take those questions and you would answer them so they might know you better personally, oh God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's stand to our feet this morning. God is good, isn't he? His word is good. His word is rich. And I thank God for how clear he makes things and how wonderfully plain he makes things. I think it's absolutely a blessing for God's people to have the light and to have the uh, clarity that we have on the, on the word of the Lord in the last day. I think it's just a wonderful thing. Let's sing that little chorus um, uh, just as we conclude here today. There is none like you and no one else can touch my heart like you do. Let's sing it. That's the key of that, right? There is none like you.
touch my heart like you do. I could search for all <coughs> and find there is none like you. Sing it again now. There is Search for all eternity and find there is none like you. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One.
told of a little girl who was healed in a prayer line over in, uh, in one of the Scandinavian countries. And, and I don't have the exact phrases here in the, in the sermon. But uh, this uh, little girl came through the prayer line and she had a problem with her legs and Brother Brandon prayed for her and she was completely healed and uh, went off the platform rejoicing and so forth. Brother Brandon went right on praying for the people. At the end of the service, when Brother Branham was making his way out, this little girl came along and found Brother Branham and grabbed a hold of the pocket of his jacket. And uh, she just kind of held on until Brother Branham stopped. And, uh, you know, she held on vigorously enough to stop him in his, in his path. And he looked down at her and recognized that he had seen her before. And she said in her broken English that she was one of the, girl, uh, the little girl who was healed. And she said, I just wanted to say thank you for praying for me. She said, I just wanted to make sure that I got to say thank you for that. And, and I thought, wow, that's, that's, it was just such, the way he tells it is just such a nice, uh, nice little story and nice little uh, illustration for us. But I'd like to say this about the sermon this morning. I, I, was just, I was just amazed at how much of what Brother Rapp talked about that, that I knew absolutely without a shadow of a doubt. I, I, it was clear as a bell to me. No hesitation. I believe what he, what he taught this morning. I don't know how you felt about it, but I, 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 I listened to one thing after the other and putting the scriptures together, and, and uh, just, it, it's just so clear. And you know why it's so clear? It's because you're not looking through a glass darkly. There are so many people in this world who are trying to figure out what's true, and they really can't because they're still looking through a glass darkly. And they don't have the clarity and the, 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 the precise understanding that God has given you and I. When we think about what God's done for us, he's removed all the clouds and all the doubt, and he's let you see the scripture just as clear as a bell. I don't know how you felt this morning, but I just saw everything he said as clear as a bell. That's exactly right. That's exactly true. All the way from Elijah the Tishbite right out to the book of Revelation. That is exactly the truth. And you know what? God has privileged me and called me into this light so I can see the Bible so clearly and get the three ordinances restored and brought back. Hey, I'm thankful that we're doing it right. We're doing it. I mean, we can go to God if we make it up there, go to God and say, we did it just exactly as that prophet taught us. And there's people out there that are saying, well, we baptize three times this way and four times that way and face front, face back, and we do, do it, you know, I mean, there's all kinds, like, like Brother Rapp says, all kinds of ideas. Hey, away with all these ideas. God has told us exactly what he wants. That's exactly what we're doing. And you know what? It's not because you're, you, you stumbled into the right church, but God has called you into the light. God has called you into that place. And he's removed any doubt and any misunderstanding and any confusion. And he's given you a clear understanding of the word of God. Hey, when we think about what God has done for us, we think about what God has made clear to us. We think about what God has shown to us. We should be the most thankful people on earth. Not only about this and the origin of the message and the ministry of that, that messenger. Not only that, but all the other things that come as a result of that ministry coming in the last day. The rapture and the original sin and all the other things that happen that, that we have understanding of. And let me tell you, it's not because you're smart. It's not because you're, you're, uh, you know, you went to the right schools or whatever else. It's because God has taken away the scales off our eyes. He's brought us into a place of light and, and understanding. That's not you finding the way. That's God leading you to that place. 
I, I, I marvel at how, how much he said and everything he said, it just rang true. That's right, that's right, that's right, that's correct, that's right, that's right, that's right. Don't take that for granted and say, well, you know what, that's really simple. Hey, for that understanding, you should be very thankful today because the vast majority of the world are looking another way. they got one God, two gods, three gods, four gods, multiple gods. And let me tell you, uh, for you to have the understanding of who Jesus Christ really is, and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, uh, we are blessed. I'll tell you what, I, I just... I feel good about being in church today because uh, I believe, uh, if nothing else rap, I believe it just spoke to my heart and let me know I'm in the right place. I've been hearing the right thing. Every church is a little bit different. Every church, you know, emphasizes things a little bit different. But I'll tell you what, there is one message that binds us together. We have one common thing, and that is truth and light. And I, I'm, I'm just, that's two things. But I, I'm very grateful that we have... Uh, the understanding that we have. Aren't you happy? Aren't you, aren't you glad? Let's, let's sing that again. Let's give thanks with a grateful heart. And don't ever, don't ever take for granted the fact that, uh, you know, the, these scriptures are so plain. So to you, you're saying it's so obvious. It's so real. Hey, let me tell you, they're, they're real to us. They're easy to us. They're clear to us because of what God has done. And I pray, I pray, that the young people who are here coming up in this, it will become clear to them. And I cannot do that. I can teach it, but only the Holy Spirit can take away the darkness. Only the Holy Spirit can give you clarity. Only the Holy Spirit can make you see it as clear as what I do today. That's His work in your heart. So we ought to be praying for our young people that they, uh, you know, they, they begin to see it. and begin, they, they, they rejoice and react the way they should. This is not some fictional thing. It's not just some movement. It's not just some anti-denominational thing. But I believe this is God drawing his people from earth to glory. Did you hear what I said? This message is the calling of God's people from earth to glory. And one day, this understanding, this clarity will become so real, it will actually pull you from your human body and sit you at the wedding supper of the Lamb. And I better quit because... Because I, I, I'm excited. I, I'm, I'm just, I, I feel like I'm in the right place today. I'm doing the right thing. I'm believing the right thing. And I'm happy. Give thanks with a grateful heart. We give thanks to the Holy One. Thanks because He's with you.
I give my mind completely to you, Lord. Fill me with your thoughts. Make it all brand new and change my life. And let me live in all that's true. I just want to like you so take me and hold me teach me to be still just lead me and guide messengers you sent were ordained of God. And Lord, we, with all that is within us, Lord, we desire to present it to a dying world. But Lord, we know it takes the Holy Spirit to open the eyes of the unbeliever. Father, 
I pray you would just have your way, Lord. Continue, I pray, Lord, to make us salt and light in this world. And Father, may your Holy Spirit just continue to reveal things to us and to speak to our hearts, Lord. We love you. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We just pray that your blessing would rest upon the assembly, Lord, and those who are sick, those who are recovering. We commit them into your hands, Lord, today and pray that your Holy Spirit would just be very real to them, Lord. There's never been a day like this day. Lord, we're glad we're living in it. We ask now that you would just bless the young people's gathering this afternoon. And Lord, all that's done may it be for your glory. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. And amen. And all God's people said, God bless you today. Thank you, Brother Rap and Sister Lisbeth for coming today. And may the Lord richly bless you. Sing this as we go today. And we'll see our young people back at 3.30 today. Think about his love. Think about his love, think about his goodness, think about his grace that's brought us through. through.